everybody! Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. My name is Mark. I'm coming to you from deep underground from the Comic Book Dungeon. And this is Cruz, coming to you from the Comic Book Kitchen, because I'm no longer grounded and I like heat. The, the, the Comic Book Kitchen is superior in almost every way to the Comic Book Garage, except for it doesn't have the Wolf Spider Deadly Battle Arena. This is true. This is true. I, I, well, I can't wait to go back there in the summer so I can see what's in there, you know, next summer. Because uh, last year I, I found a scorpion in there, so things can only get more interesting. This is not my only story that involves you in finding a scorpion, which is fun. Jeez, there's another one? I think there's more than one. I know there was the, the time, because we were both stationed at uh, Fort Irwin together, which seems like 100 years ago. You found yeah. a scorpion in your room? Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember the gunnery that we did together, where after we were uh, packing up the uh, all of our stuff out of the tent, we just found, like, dead scorpions all underneath our bunks. Oh, yeah, that's always, that was reassuring. Uh, definitely. Yeah. That was the shit. I have many fond memories of almost stepping on a rattlesnake, of finding a tarantula underneath me, or beside me, underneath the tank, of having a... Uh, my first line supervisor fucking not look and almost piss on me while I was inspecting the road wheels from underneath the tank. <laughs> an ass bag. <laughs> so. Oh, man, yeah. Pissing on homeless people, that was another good one. Yeah, which is, this is an exciting <laughs> thing for us and not for you listeners, but no. uh, we had a bit of a hiatus, which I'm sure you guys, and this is all 100% Mark's issue, not the podcast issue or not Cruz's issue. It's taking me a long time to edit the uh, giant three-hour episode. But uh, in that hiatus, we, I actually went out to California, and was, you, you can't tell this through the magic of podcasting, but Cruz and I are in different parts of the country. I think we've talked about that on several occasions, and we were yeah. actually together. We uh, Yes. I would have loved to have recorded an episode, but I think both of our wives would have just kicked our asses if we spent... Because it's not like we would have done just, like, oh, here's a 30-minute episode, and we discussed no. that. This would have turned into, like, a two-hour episode, and that would just... It was not worth sacrificing two marriages for, I'm sorry. Exactly, and I think both of our wives uh, hit it off fairly well, and they both are of like mine in saying, uh, I wish my husband put as much time into our relationship as he does the podcast, or their various hobbies i don't know if you hear this from your wife or as often as i hear it but whenever i bring up the podcast or she sees me like at the computer editing or putting some notes together or whatever she's like i have never seen you put this much effort in anything and this i mean we met in, in graduate school which was you know just a non-stop shit fest of work so for her to say that she has a good president of past experiences where i should have been putting effort into things so <laughs> And it's not that I didn't, it's just that this is a this is quite a passion project for us. Yeah, yeah. Well it was it was a really good uh good visit. It was nice having you guys out here. Uh we did the uh San Diego zoo, which was fun. Yeah, I appreciate you guys doing that. Oh no, not at all, dude. It was a great it was a great trip and it was nice to be able to go somebody without, you know, four kids towing behind me. And to go with other adults. Yeah, I, I bet that would have been a different experience for you guys. I also appreciate how badass you two were with the escape room we did. Uh, yeah, we, we uh, Mr. and Mrs. Cruz here got our first escape room under our belts with Mark and Mrs. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, 
we we went to almost the full time limit, but this was a room that was usually meant for like you'd have a couple groups in there. You'd have a, a full a full group would be considered nine, and right. so with four people, without a hint, we kicked that thing's ass. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was extremely proud of us for doing it without a single damn hint. Yeah. We, figured it out yeah it was great watching uh watching everyone at least have that moment of epiphany where they realized what the puzzle was i think that what we really did good was we would we separated out in groups and when one group would like get stuck we would like switch what we were doing so another Mm -hmm. group like here's 80 percent of what we figured out and so much of it was just we had missed a clue we didn't see something behind something so having a new set of eyes well you guys were stupid you didn't see this behind this and that's what just kept it going right yeah being able to get fresh viewpoints on everything definitely was a a big bonus for us solving that which is fine we're going to definitely do that again yeah like i said we should be out there again in may and i know Every I, I I thought wow wouldn't the superhero one be cool and everybody else was like Harry Potter because they have a Harry Potter one and a superhero one so Harry Potter it's going to be yes yeah yeah I'm not gonna fight the Harry Potter tide man it's, oh it's not worth it yeah I'll, I'll I'll throw in it's not as cool in my mind as superheroes but hey you gotta the needs of the many outweigh the the needs of the few or the or one, the one as we all know. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, because we were just coming off the holiday season, did you get anything cool or interesting for Christmas? Maybe something comic book related or nerd related that you would like to discuss? Ooh. Well, I, you know, I haven't really talked about it on the podcast. I know you and I have discussed it off the podcast, but yeah. My passion hobby for right now is uh, first-person view drone flight. So I got a, a bunch of good electronic goodies to uh, help broaden my fleet and i've been currently banging my head against the wall trying to get uh, a whole new build up and running so that's uh that's probably what's going to engross me for this weekend and once i get it running it should be a pretty fucking sweet little rig nice so what about you well yeah i got some some cool nerd like things that i i think would interest our readers I had a very short Christmas list, and one of the things that I got on that list was the Essential Tick Collection. I'm forgetting, or it's I'm forgetting what the exact name of the collection is, but it's it's like they've collected all the issues of the Tick and have a bunch of like supplement materials in with them. It's like the Edmund Collection. So I got the first volume of that, which I had a couple of the loose issues, but nothing that was substantial in order before. So it's fun to read the story of the Tick from the beginning all in order. Nice. Yeah, I, I. The only regret was you couldn't, you can't get them digitally. But I brought it on the plane with me, and I know I got a couple looks from people as I just you know, pulled up <laughs> this big thing and was a uh, reading tick adventures. Also on the plane, I got through a bunch of like the miscellaneous stuff that I have bought on Comicsology, and I have this one comic that has like several Hitler clones and a Marilyn Monroe dressed as a nun clone, and she's talking about fucking Jesus. So I read that on the plane, and I, there was, like, an old man next to me, and I, I, I can only imagine the looks he was giving me as I was reading that on my tablet. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely I used the time to, to catch up on some of my uh, backlog of comics reading, which was nice. Because I don't get to, the last, like I said, because you can see the, how late the podcast was. I haven't had a lot of time the last couple of weeks to to indulge. So yeah. that's nice. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, that the, the delayed episode is definitely a, it's a punish-sember palooza. 
of pain. Yeah, so it's worth it. So yeah, oh, by the time you guys are hearing this, you're going to be like, what the hell? That episode's been out now for several days. But that's why, as going into the recording for this, that one is still on the editing block. And I can't, I can't wait to give it a listen and put it in my ear holes. Yes, I, uh, I can't wait to get that one up. I can't wait to get this one up. I'm very excited. Oh, I just wanted to say I talked about the Cyber Jesus multiple Hitler clone comic. If anybody's interested in that, it's called the Misbegotten Runaway Nun. And you can get that on Comixology. I also got for Christmas my mom surprising me with the win. She got me a couple G.I. Joes off of Amazon. Like, I got a 25th anniversary Snake Eyes and a Blowtorch. So she, oh, cool. uh, unexpected, because I, I should eventually post pictures of the dungeon, but I have multiple G.I. Joes in a display case, and these will go uh, really well with the rest of the collection. Very nice. Very nice. So, and uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, multimedia news right now. I, I I got to see Last Jedi. Okay. Yes, and I, you know, spoiler free, of course. I understand now why it is seen as such a divisive movie. But a lot of the things people were complaining about, trying to get explanations for, it's alluded to in the anthology movies and kind of some of the expanded universe material that is put out before it but uh i I think basically this is uh the new generation of star wars saying this ain't your daddy's jedi battles anymore okay that's interesting that's uh, i would like to see what a a kind of a next generation jedi battle would look like yeah yeah it's it's definitely a lot of um i if you remember like the uh, you you read the old expanded universe stuff the new jedi order series where you know, things kind of took a turn and, you know, the Jedi kind of factioned off in either which way. It, it feels like that. Yeah, that was, I think, that definitely the high point of the Star Wars Expanded Universe. And it was... Oh, yeah. It was almost it was almost unfortunate how good that was because it was the series after that that I started to... The Star Wars universe started to lose me. Yeah. How amazing the new Jedi Order was and the, the struggle and almost like the torture that they put the universe through to get to that other side. And it was just, you looked at the next couple series and it was like, you know, so what? It's nothing's changed. And right. that was, yeah, that really bothered me. Yeah. I'm hoping they don't make that, that mistake here. I am, uh, I'm interested in seeing where they're going to go. I've been interested since they started re you know, started with episode, uh, seven and I, I can tell that they're trying to head in a new direction, and I'm eagerly awaiting where they're going to go with this, because it's, it's been a pretty fun ride so far. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What is Wolverine, uh, Luke Skywalker, Avatar, Alien, Predator, and Bart Simpson all have in common? Hmm. Y- you got me. They're all owned by Disney. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, Disney's, like, fucking taking over the world, man. Yeah, Disney, just it's amazing how many... That doesn't even scratch the surface of all the movie properties they now own from Fox. We went to Disneyland when we were out in California, and we walked by when they, like, had all the little kids dressed up as Jedis and, like, brought them out on the stage. So now mm-hmm. it's... it's a, I'm wondering what they're going to do now that they own all these properties if they're going to try to incorporate some of these into the parks. Some of it is complicated. I'm not sure if we've ever talked about this on the show before. You'll see Marvel characters in Disneyland, but you might see some of the merchandise at, like, the... I can't remember what they call it, the Disney City Walk and, like, around Disney World. You in might downtown see the, Disney? Yeah. 
you will see yeah. some of the figures there, but you'll never see characters at Disney Marvel characters at Disney World, and that's because before Disney bought Marvel, Marvel sold the the theme park rights to the Marvel characters to Universal Studios. So even though Disney owns Universe or you owns Marvel, Universal owns like the amusement park right, and how they settled it was everything east of the Mississippi is owned by Universal, but everything west of that, amusement park-wise, Disney would own those rights. So that's why you see rides at Disneyland with those Marvel characters that you don't see at World. But now that they own The Simpsons, I wonder if they're going to try to renegotiate that. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to try to incorporate them into the park. It's kind of exciting, though, that you have Jedi, Aliens, and Predator, and Marvel all owned by the same company. You can really do some exciting stuff with that. Oh, could you imagine just, like, the freaking weird Elseworlds mashups they could come up with? I, I would love to see aliens somehow interact with, like, the Marvel Universe. Yeah, that's it. We just need to start freaking lacing their water supply with LSD. See what comes out. And we're, we're, we're straying a little bit, but I was wondering if you know about the deal between Universal Studios and Nintendo? No, no. Do no. tell. I think their estimate is by 2019, Universal Studios entered in a deal with Nintendo where they're trying to create a, a Nintendo world inside Universal Studios, Orlando, Hollywood, and I think Tokyo. So you're going to see like a Super Super Mario-themed rides, like Legend of Zelda-themed rides, which sounds amazing. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty cool. Speaking of Nintendo, I did get a... Well, I say I did, but my kids got a Switch, which means I got a Switch. Shh. <laughs> Yeah, I I love my Nintendo <clears throat> Switch. It's I, I love Zelda for it. It had several months where it didn't get a lot of activity, but there's much more adult themed games for it now. So there's some really cool stuff out there. Yeah, I've I've seen that. I've uh, I've been tooling around with a little Mario Kart for with it for right now uh, till later on. Uh, another movie. Have you seen the previews for uh, Ready Player One? I have no, I have not. I I have the book. I haven't read it yet, but I know you highly recommended it when it came out, and it's on my list. It, it, okay, this 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 mark. I know I said it before, but this this intellectual property here, Ready Player One, Ernest Klein, is so far up your alley that I am surprised you haven't done gotten into this. I mean, this is someone, if you like 80s sci-fi and, like, nerd culture shit, this is it. I'm a little bit torn because I was going to read the book, but I've heard Will Wheaton narrated the audiobook. Yes, he did. And I've heard from some people that that is the superior way to experience it. So I, I don't usually do audiobooks, but I, I've heard so many good things about it, I might give this one a try. I might actually do the audiobook for my long commute before the movie comes out because I believe the movie releases in March. Okay. I was I was going to suggest that we we hold off and see if we can do that in May, but I don't think it's going to still be in theaters because I think even our wives would enjoy it. Yeah, I think Ashley would enjoy it. Yeah, or I Mrs. Think, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jen would dig it too. But hey, uh, yeah, dude, the the movie it looks like Spielberg is uh, going no holds barred, and he's just. I hate when I say I have high hopes for a movie translation of a book because usually they're unfounded. Yep. I really do have high hopes for this. And I, I, I say it with a grain of salt because Spielberg is a director where he's let me down from time to time. 
Yeah, I'm looking at you, AI, the movie that I was freaking sitting halfway through wondering if the damn thing was over and fucking forced to endure another hour and a half of fucking cheesy fucking CGI crap. I had to take it back to the video store. Like, it was closing, so I every time I thought I could eject it, I'm like, I should have enough time. I'll have enough time. And then it just kept going for, like, another, like, 10 or 15 minutes. I yes. got so pissed. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I'm sitting in a theater watching this with my wife and my sister-in-law, and I'm like, okay, is it over yet? No. Half an hour later. Shit, is this over yet? No. There's a fucking, like, 45-minute-long dream sequence at the end. What the fuck? It's quite a pile of shit. <laughs> it, it, you know, I'd say if they kept the first 45 minutes and then, like, trimmed that other, like, hour and a half that they fucking that useless appendage of an hour and a half at the end and made it into something that made a little bit of sense it'd have been good it was a movie that you went in wanting to like the main character and it punished you at every turn for trying to yes yes yeah so yeah my my feelings about spielberg directing are, are, are both good because he's done some great stuff and wary because I will be forever scarred by fucking AI. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last Spielberg movie I saw that I really enjoyed. Yes, but this one has DeLorean, the Iron Giant, fucking every sort of 80s fucking geek's wet dream shit is in this. Talking about 80s wet dream shit, have you seen the documentary on Netflix on 80s toys? Uh, I have seen it. It's in my watch queue, but I've not watched it. I uh, I watched the GI Joe one, and it was amazing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I they interview the guy who wrote the the Marvel comics, Larry Hama. I met him a year ago, and he's like he's an amazing guy. He was in the uh, army in Vietnam. Like he was uh, with the Army Corps of Engineers, and so when I met him in person, and he autographed a couple of my books. We talked about the military. He's like, were you in? And I, I'm like, yeah, I was in. He's like, what did you do? I was like, I was an armor crewman. And he knew all about the M1, and we just sat there for like 20 minutes just bullshitting about like the main gun and at, like the M1, how it works. It just He was a knowledgeable guy. He was a really cool guy, and it was cool to see him. And they, they definitely spent a lot of time on him in the, the episode. It was really good. Yeah, I might have to throw it on there. I think you'll love the... I haven't watched the Star Wars episode yet, but I think the Star Wars toy one would be right up your alley. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I think we've we've got some good stuff. If you guys would like to write in and tell us about maybe some of the geek-related stuff that you got for Christmas, or why I'm a shit bag for you had to wait two weeks to get a new episode, I would love those... <laughs> those uh, those uh those, that feedback the best way if you're angry with me the best way to make sure i will read that is if you attach it to a five-star review on itunes so yeah, rate five, yeah mark is a shit bag and he needs to get his shit together but that's why this is a five-star podcast because he admits his mistakes i want to see that review i want to see some more emails we're getting a lot of downloads i'm pretty sure most of this aren't just bots downloading the show for nefarious uh, purposes i think my wife and kids yeah yeah a lot of it i mean we're we're international we've had some canadian some french listeners it's good shit we want to see more of that tell your friends tell your co-workers tell your parole officer i don't give a shit but if you have if somebody you think would enjoy listening to this let them know 
if you have great stories, I found a scorpion in my shoe while reading a comic book. I'd love to hear it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Some exciting news. I'm still figuring it out. I've talked about us switching over. It's about do or die time with our pod hosting company. So it looks like we might be switching over to a different company that will let us, that give us a little bit more bang for our buck, a better interface, some better metrics, just better tracking tools. For most of you, that won't mean anything because if you're subscribed through, say, iTunes or Google Play, it doesn't look like anybody listens on Stitcher. That won't change because I'll update that all that stuff behind the scenes. But if you get us directly from the RSS feed, which I don't know if anybody does, you'll have to get a new feed. And I will, I will, I think right before I close out the old feed, I'll send out like a brief five-minute message, like, "Hey, if you're listening to this, you're on the wrong feed," and give you guys the right feed. There you go. Very courteous, sir. Well, we gotta we gotta keep our subscribers. This is if we want to keep those dollars rolling in, we got to keep all of our our subscribers. <laughs> it, it, well, it's real funny the uh, Podbean, which it looks like we're gonna go with. They they're like, oh, we have all these tools to help you monetize <laughs> your your podcast. I don't think that that's something we're gonna have to worry about. I don't think we have the listener support yet, where that's that's an issue. Uh, maybe one day we can always dream big, right? My well, that's part of my plan. Eventually, when we get those thousands of listeners, I was going to. I would love to spin off a second podcast behind a paywall. That was uh, that was me talking about the GI Joe, like the Marvel run of GI Joe, which was actually the original idea for this for this uh, comic or for this <laughs> podcast. But I realized too many people would listen to that, so let's pick a comic that most people have never heard of or care about. That's it. Hey, we got to go for the weird and the esoteric. Yeah, that's what this is all about. That's why you found us. We're weirdos. You're weirdos. We love talking about weird stuff. You love listening to weird shit. That's why we're all in the same place. All right, let's get weird. Yeah. So, talking about weird, we have our Amazing Adventures, issue 24, from May of 1974. This is the Amazing Adventures featuring War of the Worlds, which is the story of Kill Raven and his, uh, his plucky ne'er-do-well group of do-gooders fighting against the Martian invasion. Yes. Ah, it's been a while. You know, it's, 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 uh, it felt good coming back to see how Kill Raven and his uh, crew were doing. Absolutely. I really enjoyed coming back to Kill Raven. Yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't enjoy was why the hell did they freaking cover half the cover with a freaking banner, man? They, they did this one issue before. I yeah, know. Norm- yeah, normally the banner on top, like the top third of the page, it's transparent. This one, it's not. So it's all that you, you lost so much of what you could have done with that cover. I have to say, I, I'm not going to be overly negative on this cover, but it, it felt very lackluster to me. I, f- I felt like it wasn't scaled right. And, and maybe it was just me because, you know, looking closer at it, you, you can see Kill Ravens on top of the Lincoln Memorial, uh, the statue of uh, Abe Lincoln. Yeah, he's and, jumping and, off his head. Right, yeah. and that, that kind of puts the High Overlord more in perspective as to, as to how, how large he is. But at first glance, they look like they're almost the same size. It kind of tripped me out for a second. It, it, absolutely. If if they had had the whole cover to work with, I think the scale would have been more. It would have been more readily apparent. It definitely feels like they had to smush everything in here because they didn't have a lot of room to work with. Exactly. 
Kill Raven, it's he's got a cool triumphant pose going on. Like you can see he's got like broken shackles on his arms and he's using one of the, like the broken chains as a as a, like a whip as he's going to jump and attack the high overlord. My question to you is we see a guy with a mustache, a guy with long blonde hair, and then a woman who has the most cone-shaped boobs I've ever seen on something that wasn't supposed to be some sort of female robot lying in the background. Who are those people? I can only assume... Uh, is that a blonde guy or a blonde girl back there? Either way, probably some of the free women. Or I, I guess that is a girl, because now looking at it, she has... she she, she It looks like she has breasts and she's not wearing like, like, kind of like a bikini bottom. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I think that is a, a woman, but yeah, the red-haired woman in the like that's behind the Overlord. I mean, she is. I have never seen a woman's breasts illustrated in such a funky manner. Nah, remember Madonna? <laughs> that's that's almost what it looks like because they're just so <laughs> like with the yeah with the her her pointy bra. Yeah. I mean, I'm, not to focus on something weird here to to you know, just that's all I'm looking at, but it's just it's so weird when I I always like to give the cover a good look going over the foreground and the background, and it's just like it's so anatomically incorrect it just drew the eye. Yeah, and maybe maybe the mustachioed man is either uh, hawk or uh, saber. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. It's just, it's weird that they, they put in three random people who don't appear to be in the issue. It, it could be one of the Cavaliers. It doesn't look like the any of the Cavaliers were dressed that way. But he's got pirate boots. It's almost like they're just a mashup of, of different characters that maybe appeared in the issue or previous issues. But it's yeah. just... You only have two-thirds of the cover to work with. You'd think that you'd want to shine on what they had. It just, it felt very phoned in. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the rest of the issue was not, though. <laughs> For the most part, it was good. I, I have one thing that I'll, I'll quibble about. I'll just, I'll just briefly go into it now, and then we can either call me on my, on me being wrong, which happens, or uh, we'll, we can, we'll talk about it along the way. Mint Julep, which no, it's been no secret that has been one of my favorite characters so far. She has, like, she's only in, like, three or four panels the entire issue. She doesn't do anything significant. They definitely scaled her back. Yeah, I feel like she did get a, a little bit of a diminishing role. Her presence was definitely felt, because I know I remember there was a couple of panels where there was a panel or two where she was uh, putting in some work. Yeah, I mean, we see her with her uh, kill a bat with her star, was it star piercer? Yeah, it's a star piercer. I was thinking as I was reading this today, not to get off on a tangent, I think we talked about how these have never been collected and re-released except for, in like I think it was 2005, Marvel's Essential Line did a, a, a collection of these, but that's all on pulp paper and in black and white. So if people read these adventures like in the from the Essentials collection, you would have read the entire run not realizing that Mint Julep was green. So I think you there were some text, some text uh, boxes that covered that, though. Okay. I mean, that's definitely been one of the complaints with that line where people are like, wow, it was this object is bizarrely cover, colored or whatnot, and it, it features into the story, and I couldn't pick that up because it, you don't have the color. Yeah. So this cover, we have a, a caption box above the High Overlord, Death is the High Overlord, which it is because he is shooting an, uh, a nuclear blast out 
flame blast out of his hand towards Killraven. And I do like in the lower right corner where we see this, like, atomic fire in the middle of it, like it's radiating out of the text. We have New Year's Nightmare, 2019 AD. So I thought that was a cool effect to have the caption, like, in the, inside the flames. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay. I think that's all I got for the cover. Me too. This was, uh, again, Don McGregor writer. We have Herb Trippy as the artist. Jack Abel is the inker. Dave Hunt letterer. Pete Goldberg is colorist. And Roy Thomas, as ever, is our esteemed editor. Lovely. Yes. For He's a Jolly Dead Rebel. Yep, we start with quite a quite a lovely splash panel right there. When we ended last issue, the free men had teamed up with Mint Julep's free women, and they had broken into the underground broadcast center where Kill Raven was being eaten alive by rats. He had managed to get himself free, and they had managed to uh, drive the rats and the High Overlord away, and that's where we left off. It looks like we're almost starting in the same place. It doesn't, lead, it doesn't look like the same room, because they're in an underground cavern here. So I think this is just a few minutes past that last issue. Right, yeah, and it, it, they're, under, they're being besieged by uh, basically giant bats. Man, those things are like flying dogs. Those things are huge. Yeah, yeah, and we can take a small child and freaking carry him off. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no doubt those things are quite large. And they're very freaky looking. Uh, again, a good shout out to the character designed by these guys because uh, those are they have the feel of a vampire bat, but they have certain otherworldly qualities in how they're anatomically structured that they look kind of mutated and kind of freakish, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, the hind legs on them are extended. The talons on the wings, like they actually have like a separate hand. It's a super cool design. Sad yeah, that we only get to see them for a few pages because it's yeah. really well done. Yeah, and it looks like they even got like a little like a, a little rat tail going on too. Yeah, it's like they're like the giant mutant rats of last issue combined with a bat. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so the group is being besieged by these giant rats or giant rats, giant bats, I should say. How about we just um, call them brats? <laughs> these these brats. I like that this is a nice carryover from the previous issue when uh, Kill Raven opens up on one of these giant brats with his sword. It explodes where his sword touches the uh, the bat. We get that nice odd explosion effect that we got pre- the previous issue. Yeah, the, the gore rays. <laughs> it almost it's almost like he uh, he's Link from Legend of Zelda and he has all his hearts, but instead of like a beam coming out of his sword, it's just everything he touches explodes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I gotta say, this uh, the top panel on this page with Grok. I think Grok is my favorite thing on this page, where you see Kill Raven. Everybody else is using a weapon. Grok is just ripping them apart with his bare hands. Yeah, he's just giving you that brrrr look, and he's just, just yeah. twisting heads off. It's yeah, awesome. He, he is putting in some work. Yeah, along with Grok putting in some work, Mashula's getting down. Yeah, Mint Julep uh, is making her one of her few appearances this issue with uh, shooting uh, one of these brats with her star piercer and, of course, mocking Killraven for using an antiquated sword. As she should. She has a weapon that shoots throwing stars, and he's using uh, a sword. Come on. that's Sword versus something called a star piercer. I mean, she's clearly the victor here. Right. I do like that 
they're continuing from last issue some of the banter between Mashula and her. Yeah, yeah, Mashula's turning out to be quite the ladies' man. Yeah, definitely. And you had complained about this in previous issues where they had to, like, like almost like the jive talk. They definitely have toned that back, which was nice. Yes, they have. They they really have, and it's 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 nice. Thank you, past freaking Marvel writers, for doing that. <laughs> so while Mashula is bantering with Mint Camilla is uh, attacked from behind by one of these giant bats. She's not able to mount a defense. She's yelling for Grok, but before Grok can get to her, Mashula is able to hit it with a crossbow. Bolt. Yeah. Shoots it right off her. So my only question about that was, if you remember, Mint Julep destroyed his crossbow with uh, her star piercer two issues back. So I'm wondering, because he said it was his favorite crossbow, I'm wondering if he had one in reserve, or if when they went to the free women's hideout, they had an extra that they, they were able to give to him. Well, it wouldn't be too much of a surprise if he had one in reserve, since the the fact that he said it was his favorite one that got destroyed, it, it implies that there are others. That is my explanation for that, and I'm glad we're on the same page. I think we should send that into Marvel for our no prize. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a nice shot, too. He got that thing right in the neck. <laughs> All right, and uh, Camilla, of course, mentions that in, in, in her profuse thinking of him and uh mishula's uh statement was well it's not exactly where i meant to hit him i meant to hit him in the stomach <laughs> yeah sometimes you can be a little too honest and i mean this thing was right next to her face so saying that yes i took a chance that uh by shooting something so close to you and she's like well that's some great marksmanship not really because i was i was off of my aim that's not going to score you any points uh, well you know maybe the brutal honesty will <laughs> She, she, maybe, maybe that's what she's, maybe that's what she's looking for. But yeah, normally, yes, I took your life into into my hands, and I wasn't as sure as I should have been with that. Was not the way to go. Right. Uh, so it looks like Mint Julep has found a, a door for our merry band of travelers to escape through. Also, I missed this just on the back page or on the previous page. Uh, right before she's attacked, Mashula also kind of backs up Camilla. If you remember two issues back where they hit Washington, Kilraven yeah, was very yeah. critical of what are we doing here? We can't trust you. Why, what are, what, why is it that we're here? He's backing up that her intel has been spot on with what's going on in Washington, that this is a Martian stronghold. So again, we see a couple points here where we see this uh, relationship developing between him and Camilla Frost. Yeah, yeah. Definitely had a little quid pro quo going on over there. Yeah. I found this to be a little dubious here and again maybe it, you have a different interpret interpretation you can take me to task for it but yeah mint julep points out because uh, they're just being besieged by these giant flying uh rats that they can take temporary shelter in this uh storeroom until they can find their way back to the dinogliders and everybody agrees to that plan and they kind of fight their way back this uh rear guard action back to the uh to the storage room right and uh as they're working the way back in there you've got some back and forth with camilla and kill raven and, and yeah there's still some animosity there yeah i think there's going to be animosity for some time just because he's a misogynistic dick and he doesn't fully trust her yet but why are they taking storage in this in this uh or taking refuge in the storage space well i i think it's implied that the the whole 
their whole time traveling since the uh, incident with the uh, Ratak and his his band of furry friends was that uh, yeah they were they were always under the gun and they they were always having to do it less than decent lodging conditions so they were as they were escaping from Ratak's uh, attack they were still constantly being besieged by whatever wildlife lives in the tunnels under the capital. I get that. In my mind, this seems like this would have been a more of a, an appropriate Camilla Frost plan, because she's more of the let's watch and wait and plan. Both Mint Julep and Kill Raven seem to be kind of impatient people of action. So for Mint Julep to recommend it and Kill Raven to go with it without any smart-ass comments or commentary seemed a bit unusual. The fact that they would go, either one would go along with it just seemed kind of strange to me. Because one, it sounds like she's, because she says, until we can figure a way to get back to the Dynagliders. So it's either they've lost their way, or something has maybe cut off their way. But again, we haven't seen any of that. In my mind, if you're trying to fight off these creatures that are attacking you, if you go into a space they can't get to, they're just going to sit and kind of wait you out. That the only thing you have going for you is like your momentum of your attack, and if you lose that, more and more and more are just going to keep you backed into this corner. So it it, it seemed like going to one place that uh, going to this place that only has one way in, one way out. You're kind of just sitting there. You're kind of setting yourself up for for a hard battle. Yeah, that's that makes sense. That seems logical. It seems like they had this whole agenda, this issue that they wanted to to incorporate this New Year's Eve sort of celebration, and this was a very convenient way to get them to a, a, qui- a, a place of quick uh, a quit respite to uh, to be able to do so. Yeah, but, yeah. But that's that's just me nitpicking. Yeah, I mean, I mean as far as, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty transparent plot device to try and get them someplace so they can carry on this New Year's ritual. Yeah. Camilla Frost, she tells everybody... It's New Year's Eve because most most of humanity has stopped paying attention to holidays or even what day of, on the calendar it is. Killraven thinks it's me, uh, that celebrating a meaningless holiday is not important while their lives are in danger. And again, Mashula backs up Camilla, and he rightfully points out that every time you open your mouth, Killraven, you're talking about all the Martians took uh, all these things from us. It's time for humanity to reclaim all the things that we've lost, and this is an opportunity to do so. Exactly, you know? And that's why, regardless, they should have... Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, I just totally derailed my, my own train of thought. Hey, all right, that's okay. Moving. We move to the White House? Yes. On the next page? <laughs> We learn that the room that they're taking shelter in, the storage room, it has sensors that can detect pulse and respiration and relay it to the computer tapes of the sensor matronics inside the alien converted White House. I love some of the names they give shit. (laughs) We saw that last issue. They gave it some really just unusual and ridiculous names, and I love that they carried it over. Yeah, yeah, totally. So 80s. This page is actually one of my favorite in the, in, in the uh, in this issue, just because of how ridiculous it is. Yeah, you, you've got <laughs> the high overlord. Looks like he's uh, he's sitting on top of a couple of washing machines, if you ask me. <laughs> he's in this weird techno chair that's built to his scale, 
and you see it, it's almost like a Cobra Commander throne from like the Terror Drome in G.I. Joe is what it reminds me of, or something that maybe Megatron would sit in. Yes. It's definitely cut from that same cloth. Yeah, and, and who knew that the Martians were so into freaking outrageous cowboy belt buckle size insignia? Again, that's very Jack. It's like a very Jack Kirby design because yeah, it's got like his belt buckle looks like two E's facing away from each other, joined together. Mm-hmm. What I really love about this scene here is when he's addressing the his slaves, he calls them by name. And for such a guy who considers himself so far above not just humanity but the rest of the Martians, that he takes that personal touch, I thought was nice. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nice of him. The niceness, though, is short-lived. When he's commanding them to, to contact Abraxas, he doesn't just tell, like, Slave Kendall, contact Bra- uh, Abraxas. It's, get that genetic freak Abraxas on the screen. So, I mean, he's very... It's, it's very he takes that personal touch in one sentence, but then, like, the very next sentence, he just he, he, he adds these, these just very negative modifiers to everything. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the back and forth and, like, the, the almost backhanded comments. Yeah, yeah. So, Kendall over here has to give put a call on his old snake hands. On the Vizcom, uh, or he, it's the Vizcom operator, yes, who has to call him. Can't just call it the view screen or get him on the communicator. So, again, I just I love the ridiculous names. <laughs> yeah. So he, he calls Abraxas, and Abraxas is doing his, like, cool little arm-wavy thing over at the Lincoln Memorial. I was wondering, did somebody else have to turn on the view screen for him, or if he's, is he able to, to operate that with his tentacles? Uh, all the Martian stuff is ADA compliant, so yeah, if you've got tentacles, it'll work. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad that they're uh, in accordance with the, Civil, or with the Disabilities Act. Yes, it's a good thing they are, too, because... That Martian freaking occupation has left a lot of cripples. <laughs> and mutants. And mutants, yeah. I mean, you, you got to have those special chairs to have a third place for that third leg. So the High Overlord is commanding Abraxas to go down to the catacombs and recapture Killraven. Yeah, and uh, Abraxas agrees pretty cordially and summons your good friend of mine, Saber, to get his cavaliers together. This is a panel I've given Saber a lot of shit here, where he he starts to grow on me a little bit here and for the rest of the issue. Yeah, like a fungus. He's I, I like this that he kind of talks back to Abraxas that if Abraxas touches him with those tentacles, he's gonna hack him off. And mm-hmm. he he even follows that with that's not an idle threat. So I mean he's you see that he's not exactly happy with his station in life and what's going on. I'm wondering if he saw the broadcast the previous night where they were going to execute Killraven and seeing Killraven free himself and fight back, if this is where we start to see why we start to see a more sympathetic Saber. Yeah, yeah. I, I get a feeling it starts coming in that way. He goes from Lando midway through Episode 5, and we start <sighs> to see Lando towards the end of Episode 5 here. God damn it. <laughs> you do that just to egg me on, you bastard. I do it because it's there's no better comparison. <laughs> Saber definitely has a full Jerry Curl going on. Props to the artist. Yeah. I was hoping for a... Uh, this is how you know he's not Lando. He hasn't changed his clothes from the last issue. <laughs> he would be wearing a different cape and pirate costume if this were Lando Calrissian. And he'd be drinking the equivalent of Colt 45, too. <laughs> 
I would be lying if I said I didn't look at several Colt 45 commercials and see if I could incorporate them into the intro or outro for, like, for the last step issues. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, inside, Camilla and uh, Killraven are lighting lovely candles to celebrate the new year. Killraven is informing Camilla that her talking to her about how since she's met Mashula, he argues most passionately, and I Camilla's quick to come to his defense that he has his own mind, he's his own man. This next panel is great, because I like in comics, whenever there's, to designate like a frosty exchange, <laughs> you'll see, yeah, like the, the jagged lines, like the word balloon is frozen, and I like that you see both hers and then Killraven's response both have that. Yep. Because she, again, she takes umbrage to the fact that Killraven keeps calling her woman. Yeah, she doesn't so. like that. Which, I mean, he, he better knock that shit off, because we saw, as we saw in last issue, Mint Julep will not put up with that shit. No. She She'll, like, know. hack off a limb, yeah. They, uh, they find these old audio tapes in the storage area, and they're going to use them as streamers for their New Year's Eve party. Nice. Very yeah, a little nice. strange. Yeah. You know, if I had a better freaking airsoft gun in, in, in the house, I'd probably throw a couple of pieces of toilet paper on it and use it as a freaking streamer, too. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, they're getting their decorating on. Uh, next page, we cut back to our favorite He-Man character, Ratak. Uh, they did him no justice on these illustrations. No, I mean, he just, his ears just look like strange nubs on the side of his head. He, he just... He looks like a guitar from Star Wars. I every time I look at him, he just he looks like the He-Man toy that no child bought. Ah, uh, yeah. And the half shirt and the weird gloves and just just everything about him just is poorly designed. I take back my kudos to the character design team now. Yeah, nothing because he's supposed to be like a a human rat mutate. Nothing about his head says rat to me. No. No, it's, it's, I don't know, maybe he's a wallaby, or... If you told me that he was half wallaby, half dinosaur, I mean, yeah. half kangaroo, I mean, almost anything, anything I would believe, yeah. Yes, yeah. but not rat. No, no, he doesn't, he doesn't have enough rat-like qualities to, to even begin to freaking call himself a rat. Despite how badly I think he's designed, I actually really like this page here. We see that he, he lights all these torches, and he has this, like, torch-lit funeral procession where he's like lined up all the bodies of the rats that kill raven killed and he's having this like makeshift uh, like funeral for them and he kind of relates this back to he's doing this because of his memories and we learned that he was a uh they never really clarified they just said he was a he was an, a government agent he was apparently a secret service agent yes they would have these big ceremonies for when a secret service or a government official would die and so He's flashing back to those memories and incorporating it in this weird, insane rat life that he has now. So I kind of like that, that he's, he doesn't even really exactly know why he's doing this. He, it's more out of instinct, more out of vague memory than, I think, really understanding the, yeah. the significance of it. And yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I think he's lost a lot of his capacity for any sort of real emotional involvement in anything. Correct. And that's... I thought that was neat. Where he just, he seemed like such an unnecessary character in the, the previous issue. And just him looking at weird slides of his life for just as a clumsy storytelling technique to actually flash to this where 
you're fleshing him out and see he's he's pretty a pretty tragic character. I thought this added a lot to humanize the character. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I I, I don't think I felt that invested in Ratak. <laughs> oh, I, I I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't say I I would like to see him as a reoccurring character. But it just it was nice where he was absolutely two dimensional and. Every scene with him bothered me. Previous the previous issue, he's used sparingly here, and he he didn't make me want to uh, to, to to swear out loud every time he was in the issue this time. Right, right. So, moving on to our little gathering. Yeah, we have everybody around a table. They found the storage space. I don't know where they got the uh, red streamer in the ba- in the background, but they've done a nice job of decorating. Yeah. Yeah, it looks festive. I mean, I knocked back a couple there. It looks quite festive, but as we learn, it's a pretty shitty party. Hawk is super pissed off because uh, Killraven had, instead of celebrating the New Year, he suggested, he's like, what I will celebrate is us getting the hell out of Washington. Hawk isn't about that. He came there because he wanted to hurt the Martians in their own, in their stronghold, and he doesn't feel they've accomplished that yet. So I love that uh, he's got he drew like a picture of a Martian and he's just stabbing his uh, his knife through the illustration. <laughs> Thought that was a nice nice uh, nice touch. I like his little Martian drawing with the big cartoony eyes. I uh, really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, yeah. If you to, if you notice this panel too, you see all the free men at one table, except for Mashula. You see Mashula and Frost at a smaller, more intimate table in the background. Again, cementing that they're getting together. Yeah, get a little jungle fever going on in the, in the near future. And uh, to cement that this is the worst party ever, instead of doing anything to celebrate, Camilla Frost, because this is what you would do at a party, she reminisces about the time that the Martians killed her father, and they locked her in a room with his body and laughed and laughed while they observed her cry or her crying. It sounds so, like my childhood. <laughs> That's going to tear down any party. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. But, uh, no. you know, there's trouble coming in. So, you know, they, they, they're enjoying or semi-enjoying this moment. But uh, yeah, trouble only is one, on its way. Yeah, only one thing can save this party. And it's Lando. <laughs> Lando, yes, he comes barging in. Yes, full. quite dramatically. With the with the with the whole half cape swirl and everything. I I like this panel. The only thing that kind of threw me off was the caption where they describe that he's here. The the figure appears in the doorway with one roguish leap, his flint locked laser sizzling the air. Sabers there, standing poised and magnificent, an Errol Flynn irony touching his voice. His flint lock laser. <laughs> what the fuck is a flint lock laser? Because I. I thought I knew the definition of what a flintlock was, and so I looked it up again just to make sure I was on the same page. You know, a flintlock is an old-style pistol. It's got the little mechanism that when you hit the button, you know, it moves it forward, and that's what causes the ignition source on the gunpowder and shoots it. I don't understand why you would need a... To have a mechanism like that on a laser that it has to move forward and maybe that's like forms a, like some sort of like connection that would for, make the laser shoot. It's a modern weapon. It's a futuristic weapon that could literally, as far as we know, have maybe an unlimited like shots per like just you know like was it one shot per second, multiple shot per second. I mean, this could be a devastating weapon. And it's like by adding this me- me- mechanical mechanism 
to make it what more dramatic. You've completely we're gonna we're gonna have an ancient drawback on a mo- on a futuristic weapon. It seems very foolish. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, he comes charging in half cape, freaking swinging in the air, and uh, he pretty much just disturbs the party, man. Why? Why? This whole action scene, at least the top part of this page, seemed a little bit silly to me. <laughs> and maybe I was just because I was focusing on the flintlock. But he tells everyone to lay their weapons down. And I'm not sure if he shoots Flint Killraven's chair, and that's why Killraven jumps like Spider-Man onto the table. Or Killraven had first jumped up onto the table to strike, and then he shot his chair as a warning. It's not exactly clear, but either one of them is a bit silly to me. Because if you're trying to, like, if your whole thing is, I'm coming in, lay down your weapon, stay where you are, and you shoot the fucking chair somebody's sitting on, you're almost ensuring that they're going to attack you. Or this Kill Raven Spider-Manning onto the table instead of just charging him. Both of them seemed a bit funny to me and kind of made me laugh. Well, it was very, you know, like a daring do pirate maneuver, you know, jumping on top of the table and doing his little freaking... Well, he, he, the only thing that would make Lando's fucking uh, weapon any cooler was if he had a fan, a hammer on the back. That's exactly what I was just thinking. That that if you're going to do something to to make it more dramatic, if he shot multiple shots off while fanning it, that is the coolest way to do it. Yeah, that, that would have totally kicked ass. You know, he he takes a shot and accidentally dings Kill Raven, which of course pisses off our boy, huh? old skull and uh he he gets basically stunned by this freaking iron cannon of doom i think that was intentionally i think that kill raven was going to attack and that was a warning shot too because he said now stay your sword rebel or my next shot will do more than sear your arm right yeah dr mindbender comes charging uh old skull comes charging at saber after he wounds kill raven because again, that's we've we've seen old or old skull is quite simplistic, and he's like Lenny of mice and men. Anytime Kill Raven is threatened or hurt, he's going to charge in. And again, I think this is a scene that makes Saber actually quite sympathetic. He he even says he or he says it saddens me to say this, and Kill Raven should treasure such loyalty. But if you come another step, my friend, you will force me to something I have no desire to do. I'll splatter your compatriot's head all over these walls. So even though he's doing this, he's you know, he's taking them prisoner. He he could have come charging in, shooting indiscriminately. He's been very uh, hands-off with this. He's tried to do it in the least violent way possible. Yeah. He, he even commends Old Skull on his loyalty. Yeah, he, he, he's doing this as a, as a gentleman rogue. I was waiting for him after he takes them prisoner just uh, to get really mad and just, this deal gets worse all the time! <laughs> because I mean this is very much again he reminded me of that scene in episode 5 this is we're almost to the point where you're going to see like he's he's ready to turn he's becoming very sympathetic to to his prisoners again it is like it or not mad or not there's a lot of parallels here to Lando Calrissian I will concede that point sir it takes us to page 16 yep again because we've seen this the the first issue they met where he can he's compared himself now to, to kill raven at least one other time and he we get this nice scene where again where he compares them and he he kind of taunts i wouldn't say taunt but he backs up his point with kill raven that you think you're kind of better than me kill raven you think that you're the free man but when in fact 
by being constantly hunted, that makes you a slave. Well, yeah, it does kind of. I mean, it, it's a good piece of dialogue, and I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to argue either way because it can be argued from both perspectives. I'm just glad that they included the ability for for a person to take the damn thing apart without having to rip all the way into the bottom of it. I am on a tangent. Sorry, plumber. I see some of that stuff and I get too deep into it. My bad. No, I, I, I think you have a really good point that we, we both mentioned how sometimes, like especially with the captions, whenever there's any broader point or something's a metaphor, it seems like the Don McGregor sometimes hits you over the head with it. This could have been a very text-heavy scene, and the fact that it was just a couple brief word balloons that they don't beat you over the head with it, that, yeah, you... I know you think that I'm the slave because I'm still work. I'm working for our overlord, like our conquerors. I see you as a slave because where you think you're free by living as a hunted man, that's not freedom. And just leaving it at that, I think. It, it, say if this had happened the last ep- issue, we would have gotten three panels and fourteen word balloons about this. So yeah, it was, yeah. I like that they didn't belabor the point. We, like you said, I think we belabored the point a little bit, but they didn't. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, Saber's definitely, be, you're getting to see a lot more depth of character out of Saber, which is which is good. I have to really hand it to the, the artist here, because since last page we saw Killraven get shot, in every panel you see him, you can stick there's smoke coming off of his skin. Yeah, yeah. In that top panel, you actually see it coming from like between his fingers. That's a really good, uh, really good touch. Yeah, you see a little blood on his fingers in that panel. Yeah, really good job. Yeah, a lot of credit to the art team. I like our next panel where again Mint Julep tells uh, one of the Cavaliers, "Wash your hands, creep, or you won't have any left." That's kind of her go-to threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she can back it up. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'd say if there was anybody in this group that you would not want to mess with, I'd say Mint Julep should be at the top at the top of that list. Yeah, because I don't think you'd be able to see her coming. No. So I guess they're all getting frog marched out to go see Abraxas or, or the Overlords, and uh, right behind him comes marching in our good buddy with the mice. I mean, not the mice, the rats. With yes. cat. Yes, we have our, our mutant marmoset friend here, and he misses them. <laughs> They're out of the room, and he comes in immediately, up probably mere minutes behind them. They find Kill Raven's blood on the ground, and they're going to track this to the end of the line and get revenge on Kill Raven for uh, the rats he killed last issue. Exactly. I mean, they're they're out for blood, but yeah, you know, they show up, and there's nobody home. Nope, they just miss them by a few minutes. Next page, we go back to the Lincoln Memorial. Yes, and uh, Abraxas is having a chit-chat with one of the overlords about his human slaves. Oh yeah, the, the high overlord. Because uh, so far, we, he's the only humanoid Martian we've seen. Now, I'm hoping to get an explanation on that. Right, so... Yeah, because he's not the potato head Martian that we've seen so far. Right, I, I really want to see how he pours himself out of that suit. Yes, I would like to see if he's like just like some sort of like protoplasm that they just poured in there, or or what. I'm hoping we get an explanation for that. Yeah, does it just me or does the High Overlord look a little bit smaller? Yeah, it's it's especially it's hard to see, especially going through from different issues because he definitely because he's almost he's only a few feet taller than Abraxas, 
and I got the feeling the previous issue he was just a little bit taller than that. But I do like that you get to see how much bigger they are than like the normal baseline humans. Yeah, they've definitely had a little modification done. And apparently, between scenes here, Abraxas has changed his mankini. It was green before, and now it's a yellowish color. I hope that's a different one. Yes. Interesting. Oh, maybe, maybe it's not a different one. Maybe they didn't have very good laundry service back then. <laughs> yeah, he was. He went down to the sewers, and it's just that's just grime on it. It's unpleasant to think about. <laughs> awesome. I, I do enjoy this uh, speech here from the High Overlord. Because, again, we just get the just how arrogant he is, that he is superior to all Martians, and that makes Kill Raven nothing compared to him. And, uh, we get some more of the Kill Raven tit-for-tat that, we're, that we expect. He turns it back on the, on the High Overlord. You know what, Overlord? I was just thinking the same thing about you. Yep. You so pretty much guy. what we expect. Yeah, the... He's not very clever, but he's defiant to the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely defiant to the very last. Which is what we expect. Exactly. I mean, we like last issue. I mean, he has like a rat attached to his chest and his neck, and he's still slinging out like the one-liners. <laughs> yeah. that, that takes commitment. It it does. So uh, there's a nice, you know, nice uh, quadruplet of panels underneath that last panel. Which is page eighteen, I believe. Is that we're on? Yeah. Uh, we're uh seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we uh, we got to deal with attack getting mauled over by uh what's his name, Abraxas. Yeah. yeah. Right before attack shows up, we get a nice monologue from the High Overlord. Again, just kind of clarifying what happened the night before. Kill Raven's death was supposed to be televised over the mural phonic system <laughs> supposed to be broadcast to break the spirit of all the human slaves, all their human subjects. But instead, since he escaped and defied the high overlord, it's had, it's had the opposite effect that it's, it's actually re- revived the spirit of rebellion in the humans. So that's why he plans to have a broadcast this evening and same plan, execute kill Raven to break the human spirit. Now it's needed more than ever. Yeah, and uh, he wants to make sure he can squash it in front of everybody. Yes, but unfortunately, his speech is <laughs> is interrupted by giant dog-sized rats. The hell you say, giant dog-sized rats? Yep. I believe that Ratak, while he was coming up to the surface, he started choking, and it looks like Abraxas is trying to give him the Heimlich, <laughs> which is nice of him. I don't know how you'll do that with the tentacles, but hey, A for effort. Exactly. I mean, hey... His tentacles are nothing pure muscle and really flexible, so I'm sure he can squeeze whatever's out out of him. Yeah, like a boa constrictor. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he he gets uh, attack in this. God, that looks really awkward. This is a great fucking panel with the best onomatopoeia I think we've seen so far. Yes. Yes. So yeah, what is that? Page eighteen. Page eighteen. Where. You know, as everything's starting to break loose and go to shit, Kill Raven manages to slip his guard just in time for the guard to get offed by the freaking uh, Supreme Leader. Yeah, the Supreme Leader, out of his finger, apparently shoots a nuclear radiation that will incinerate a, a human. And so Kill Raven is able to jump out of the way in time, and the guard that was holding him takes the brunt of it, and 
with the the beam, it's just the onomatopoeia is just a zzzz, but when it hits the uh, the guard, it's a nice crisp, <laughs> which is just it's so on the nose, but so awesome. That's yeah, it, it was yeah. really good. Yeah, that was my my like I said my favorite so far. It's gonna be a tough a tough one to beat. Yeah, so uh, our Supreme Leader Martian Kill Raven go back and forth a little bit, and I think he puts in a couple of freaking letter boxes just to have them there. Uh, in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, we Panels. we talked about yeah <laughs> we talked about how they they over how sometimes they overstate things. The panel after uh, the guard gets Kentucky fried, Kill Raven grabs the sword, and you see him pose to strike, but it's right in front of the uh, statue of Lincoln. So Lincoln is like glowing, almost like he's being hit by atomic fire. I mean, they really really beat the metaphor into the ground here. That. In front of this legendary statue, we see oh, Kill Raven in this legendary hammer. pose. Yeah. They hammer you with it every chance they get. Yeah, absolutely. A bit heavy-handed. Yeah. But it's okay, because the next panel, we get the best line of the issue. I've had enough drones and eunuchs mauling me. I'll use the sword till it's torn from my hand, and then I'll use the gifts uh, the Keeper bestowed upon me. So, I would love to explore... Is he calling them eunuchs is just an insult, or is there something about the slaves that we don't know? Or are they castrated upon going into service? That sucks. And the gifts that the freaking uh, overlords bestowed on him, uh, is, is that that he got something? Of- they, they have been intentionally vague with... He, it's been mentioned a few times that there was that Kill Raven has gotten some sort of gift from the from the keeper from that first issue. That's how he knew how to start the truck. They've been very vague about it, and if you put a pin into it or a pin in that for a few minutes, we're gonna come back to that. All right. So again, this is this is Kill Raven's curse. He's out there. He's posing. He's badass. He's fighting these guys in front of him. But what always happens? He's about to get hit from behind. In the head. Yes, that was. There were several issues where it was every time he's fighting somebody, he would get hit in the behind from a, uh, in the head. But we see the uh, high overlord. He's aiming his atomic radiation finger at him. Oh boy! If we go to, if we just stop after page eighteen on the mail page, there's a uh, there's a picture of Kill Raven holding Mint Julep uh, from the previous issue. Uh, kind of cool. I think that if you read the letters, people really liked that issue. I think people really liked Mint Julep. Yeah, she was definitely she was a, a, she is a continued bright spot in this series. I, I would love if she was brought in somehow to the modern Marvel uh, Marvel U. Next page, mm-hmm. we get another uh, double, double double page splash. This is it. This is the this is the scene at the end of episode five. Lando turns against Vader. <laughs> asshole. Uh, he, you're, you're. I don't think he is an asshole. I think this is him finally doing the right thing. Yeah, and, and where we're at, I think uh, you're some sort of Martian sympathizer. This is definitely where it starts getting really uh, intense for foot tracking out, tracking out here at least. Yeah, very. This page is very kinetic. I like it. I like yeah. it a lot. A lot of stuff going on here. Uh, yes. Yeah, you. So say, go ahead. Oh yeah, you got, yeah, Saber. Uh, you know, Saber kind of commits to turn on the High Overlord. 
whips out his lovely pistol, takes a pot shot at him, which basically the overlord shrugs off and is like, that's, that's nothing. We gave you that stuff. You think we'd give you something that would hurt us? Yep, got him right in the armpit. Mm-hmm. He, I let go. Many dastardly deeds go by the wayside, but this time you push it too far, overlord. You're totally without any kind of honor, any creed, no matter how simplistic. I'm trying to kill you, overlord, and let it be said with a great deal of anger, which previous page... Overlord made a crack about how he's going to kill or kill Raven without any anger. He was just a piece of meat. That's how superior he is. So yeah, some good good Saber dialogue. It took me a while. I've been very dismissive of Saber. I'm on board now. Yeah, I gotta say I'm on board with Saber too. Yeah, he, he his shot ricochets, hits a column, and uh, basically that starts off a chain reaction of destruction. Yep, I think this is it for the Lincoln Memorial. We get a cool shot of Killraven jumping off the raised pedestal that Lincoln is on and kicking a guy in the face. Mm-hmm. We get a lot, again, this is heavy-handed, we get a lot of word of boxes of captions talking about so the... So many captions. Talking about the slow-motion effect of this uh, of the Lincoln Memorial uh, being destroyed came off as a little heavy-handed. Yeah, talking about graffiti from 18 years ago, the doll that still stands. Yeah, I did say one thing I liked about this issue is this is the first issue that they squarely gave us a date of the Martian invasion. They, when they were, that huge, the, the whole running theme of graffiti through the caption boxes this issue, they made it clear that the year 2000 was the year the Martians invaded. They, they'd never given us this precise year before. Yeah, so, I mean, this next couple pages are, are busy. Definitely very, yes. very busy. Yeah, it looks like Kill Raven busts loose and he's jumping, I don't. I want to say to the floor level, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's sometimes when you have so much kinetic things going on, it's hard to see exactly what's going on in a still picture. We see a wounded Ratak being eaten by his own rats. Yep. The Lincoln Memorial's crashing down. Ratak is being eaten by his own rats. Abraxas is going to finish off attack he's quite pissed that this was where he his slave auction was and he says scream attack i turn the shrine into a place of misery and despair and it'll be that way once more once we make an altar of it and slay kill raven upon and before he can finishes it or finish the sentence the statue of lincoln crashes down and kills on top of him and kills him i thought that was so fucking fitting yes there's a little piece of me that cheered inside which I'm glad they didn't have to hit us in the face with the with that. They just let it go and let you draw the conclusion with it that here, because they did it like the issue where they first introduced us to his slave block. There was like just ten balloons that just described this was a monument to freedom and this is how he subverted it. So I like the pre uh, they they already exposed us to that the previous issue they didn't need to touch on that again that they let us draw those own conclusions that especially while in his big speech about turning this into a back into an altar of pain and despair the symbol of freedom comes in crashes down on him and kills him it was nice right yeah Uh, i like the uh the nice shot of the rubble with his freaking tentacle kind of hanging limply off to one side and you got a profile shot of uh, the lincoln statue kind of looking at it yeah really well done yes kudos I like the panel right below that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's supposed to be the High Overlord in the corner that survived. Our heroes have turned away or are walking away and they don't see him. 
it's hard to tell because he's the only kind of metallic figure we see, but he doesn't have the samurai headpiece that we've kind of seen him with. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I can give you out of that one. Yeah. Yeah, so I I believe that's supposed to for us see that he's he's he survived this destruction. He's going to come back. They they call out that they don't know what happened to Saber, which I I, I was pretty sure it's every time they encounter somebody he seems to join their party i was pretty sure that saber was going to join them so they surprised me here i'm sure we'll see him again but they surprised me that he didn't become a kill raven regular right Eh, he'd be a kill raven irregular you know special guest appearance by yeah i'm sure we'll see him again but (laughs) i'm i'm quite sure mint julep's gonna stick around and i thought that this was all these early episodes or issues we were going to be adding characters to the to the roster so it was nice to be wrong this this annoys the hell out of my wife whenever we watch something i can't just sit there and watch it i have to make predictions and when they when i'm right it really makes her mad because it's like i spoiled it for her so i always like when i'm proven wrong and this time they surprise me (laughs) i like that last panel where they're walking they're walking away from the destroyed lincoln memorial into the sunset uh, we see that Kill Raven's name is written. Kill Raven was here on one of the crushed pillars. We see a nice shot of Lincoln's face. Nice. I, just, I love the the ending line here. Well, one thing's for sure, Kill Raven. Uh, what's that? Anybody who comes by this place, they'll know Kill Raven's been around. We see that Kill Raven was here. Nicely done. Yes, very well done. So next issue, the Devil's Marauder. The Indianapolis 500 becomes a testing site for the most terrifying tripods in the Martian arsenal. Kill Raven's startling powers revealed and introducing Scar. But don't get too friendly, Marvelite, because he'll rip you into shreds. So nice. next issue, we're going to learn what Kill Raven's power is. Other than uh, not falling for the uh, sirens is uh, hypnotic hip gyrations. <laughs> or being able to start... Uh, 30-year-old deuce and a half. Okay, good. I, I can't wait to see what this power is. Did you read the uh, the backup story? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> awesome. Here we go. It's called The Painting, and there's this gypsy guy. He paints stuff as he's a painter. This rich guy wants to buy one of his paintings. He's like, no, it's not for sale. He grabs it anyway. The police are, uh, are brought in. They don't believe, they're like, we're not going to take the word of a gypsy. They uh, arrest the gypsy, or they allow the guy to escape with the painting, the businessman, and detain the gypsy. But we see it was really a magic painting, a cursed painting, and the person who stole it, we see that he is now trapped in the painting. Oh, wow. Done. Done? Awesome. Yes. Well, that was sweet, short, and to the point. Indeed. All right, well, glad to be back on the Kill Raven tip. Uh Punish, yeah, this is good. Punish Sember is done in the bag. Punish Sember is over, but don't worry, uh, true believers, because we're just kicking off our next month, Alpha Flight January. So stay tuned for that. Nice. No, we're not. We're not doing Alpha Flight January. We're, uh, Punish, <laughs> Punish Sember was great. Alpha Flight is not. But no, Punish Sember was a lot of fun, but the six hours of editing or more that are going into the last issue episode of Punish Ember. It's kind of a kick to the balls. So I like that we're keeping these episodes shorter. I don't mind doing specials in the future, but just to get a nice, some, uh, some back to these, back to basics, back to some of these hour, hour and a half episodes. It's real nice. Yeah, it definitely is. I don't know. I know I'm starting to die out because 
Dude, I've I've gotten two hours of sleep in the last forty eight hours. So I'm fading fast, dude. Okay. And on that note, I want to remind you all, as we're talking about how great the Marvel Universe is, it's a place of gods and magic and powerful weapons. And monsters. There is, and monsters. There is no power or no force more powerful in the Marvel Universe than purple ripped jeans. Think about it. Truth. Yes. Yes. They're the only thing that can contain the Hulk. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Well, until next time, keep turning the pages. And hey, send us an email, and you might not just get an email back, but we'll probably talk about it on the show. And uh, hopefully by the time you guys hear this, uh, we'll have the Instagram account uh, posting. Maybe start throwing a couple more bits and baubles up there. It'll be the, uh, the comic book dungeon on uh, Instagram. Uh, what other social media we got? I'm on Twitter at BrokenLMD. Like life model decoy, so broken LMD. And if you tweet at me, I don't have a lot going on, so I'll tweet you back. <laughs> awesome. And uh, again, email us, and our email address is comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, once again, hey, don't forget, you can always leave a review, you know, throw us a couple stars, you know. Hey, Kill Raven, stars, come on. How can you go wrong? Yeah. yeah, you can send us some of those silver stars or be a badass like Mint Julep and send them via Star Piercer. Nice. Again, not to belabor the point, I didn't understand a lot of this until I started making a podcast. If you go- Say if you were trying to find a comic book podcast, and I'm sure you guys know this because you've tried it, if you just put in comic book co- podcast, there's a thousand different hits you'll get. If you, The only way you can like really find us in the iTunes store is by putting our specific name in. We're very low on the list being a newer podcast. What makes us easier to find, the more reviews we get, the higher we move on that list, if it's easier... It is easier for people to find us. So by leaving reviews, you're making it easier for other other fans to find us. I think that that's great. I think that's really helpful when you do it. It's also really helpful when you guys get involved. If you send us emails tell, or even just get any sort of feedback telling us what we do good, what you'd want to hear, things like that will make the not just the show better. But I think it's fun to listen to us, but to have something where we can like, oh, could you cover this? Or what do you think about that? Or who would win in a fight? Just being able to have that sort of dialogue. It's not just a show anymore. It's a community. And that's been our goal from the beginning to create that sort of community. Outstanding. I agree. But I definitely agree. All right. Let's see. Let's call it. Good night. And we will see you next time. Billy D. Williams talks about the power of Colt 45. You know, I, uh, I've always heard about the power of Colt 45. But I was never sure exactly what that meant. So I got something to find out for myself. Hey, Billy. You free tonight? Works every time. The dynamite taste of Colt 45. It works every time. <laughs>